Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers, where we provide you with up-to-date information on cancer care and research. Our host, Dr. Stephen Gore, is Director of Hematological Malignancies at SMILO and an expert on myelodysplastic syndromes. He interviews some of the nation's leading oncologists and cancer specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. If you're interested in listening to past editions of Yale Cancer Center Answers, all of the shows are posted on the Yale Cancer Center website at YaleCancerCenter.org. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can contact the doctors directly. The address is canceranswers at yale.edu. Here's Dr. Gore. Welcome to another episode of Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Stephen Gore, and I'm joined today by my guest, Dr. Laura Horvath. Dr. Horvath is Assistant Professor of Radiology and Biomedical Imaging at the Yale School of Medicine. She is here with us today to discuss breast imaging. Dr. Horvath, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what you do. Are you a radiologist, an imagist? Uh, What's biomedical imaging? Certainly. Well, I'm a diagnostic radiologist, which means that I have um, specialty training and experience in all aspects of medical imaging, but I've subspecialized within radiology um, to use various imaging techniques to concentrate on the diagnosis and management of um, breast diseases, specifically breast cancer. So I'm a radiologist, but I'm also referred to as a breast imager. Hmm. Is it common to be that subspecialized in radiology? I mean, I I guess I've known that there were CT people and MRI people. Uh, So are there people who are just breast imaging people? Yes, there are. But that's mainly true at academic medical centers Mm -hmm. um, like ours, where uh, myself and and most of my breast imaging colleagues only do breast imaging. Um, In the community, a lot of breast imaging might be done by a general radiologist as part of their practice. So general radiologists are trained to interpret at least regular mammograms. Absolutely. Uh Well, so what made you interested in going particularly into breast imaging? Well, um, it's a particularly challenging area of uh, radiology for a variety of reasons, but it's also very interesting and has a lot of patient contact. Mm -hmm. So first of all, when we talk about mammograms, um, there's a tremendous variability in the normal appearance of breast tissue between women. So just like any two women don't look alike, um, any two mammograms don't look alike. Mm. And so the challenge um, in diagnosis is to tell normal breast tissue from what could be an abnormality um, because normal breast tissue can mimic um, abnormalities and likewise breast cancers can sometimes mimic normal breast tissue. So so there's that challenge of diagnosis. Um, But uh, the other interesting aspect of, of breast imaging in particular is that we really have a lot of patient contact, really one-on-one face-to-face contact, because many of the women are coming to us because of perhaps uh, abnormal imaging that they've already had or because of a breast symptom. And so we're talking to them, examining them. We might be actually doing the imaging hands-on with, say, something like ultrasound. 
um, explaining the results to them. And then um, when it comes to the detection of a suspicious abnormality, um, in many cases, we're actually the one who's performing the biopsy Hmm. um, and then um, helping to um, determine the significance of the results and and what the next step is in their management. So there's the challenge of of the imaging uh, interpretation, but also um, the enjoyment of, of the direct patient contact. There seems to be so much anxiety among many women that I know, even around their routine, so-called routine mammograms. Uh, and I imagine that in a referral center, whereas you've mentioned, uh, you know, some people already have a suspicion that there may be an abnormality. There's just got to be anxiety, you know, off the top for a lot of people. Definitely. And um, that's why we certainly try to do our best in um, explaining um Uh, what's going on to each patient and trying to guide them through the process and um, support them uh, with with what they might be going through. So as a a breast imager, you you mentioned that you also do ultrasound, not not just mammograms? Correct. So the uh, primary imaging tool that we use is mammography, um, but we also use uh, ultrasound as well as uh, MRI, magnetic resonance imaging. Mm-hmm. And, and will you interpret the MRIs of the breast as well? Oh, yes. We, we interpret all of those studies and, and we coordinate their use. Um, you know, we might use any of those three tools uh, to screen women, um, but we also use them um, to solve different diagnostic problems. Hmm. So, why would you choose one uh, modality of imaging versus another? Well, the primary tool that we use for screening is mammography. All right. And and um, we'll use that both for screening and diagnosing. Um, but mammography uses uh, x-rays to image the breast. And so there's a certain spectrum of information that we will uh, be able to see on a mammogram. Um, but in other situations, ultrasound is very important in um, evaluating mammographic findings um, and also in evaluating symptoms such as uh, a lump. Mm-hmm. I guess ultrasound can help define if something is cystic or not. Is that right? Or uh, Yes, it can tell us um, if, if a mass is a cyst or solid. Um, but it for solid masses can also give us information about the characteristics of the finding as to whether or not it's it's suspicious and, and warrants biopsy. Hmm. And how does MRI help? Well, MRI is also used um, to screen certain women, and um, those are women who are at uh, very high risk of breast cancer because of a strong family history. Um, it's also used in the setting, um, in some cases, of women with newly diagnosed breast cancer to evaluate the extent of their disease. Um, so those are, those are a few of the reasons why we might use MRI. It, it, does the MRI detect earlier breast cancers? Is that why you might find, use it in somebody with family history? Or? Um, not necessarily earlier, but it might detect breast cancers that don't show up on a mammogram. Oh, really? So there are breast cancers that can be mammographically occult. And so MRI is um, really the most sensitive imaging modality that we have to look for breast cancer. So why shouldn't we do MRI as mass screening? Well, because um, it's very uh, expensive technology to uh, use. Um, the examination typically um, can take um, 
at least a half hour mm. to perform. Um, it does require the injection of intravenous contrast. I see. Um, but that being said, um, there are people uh, working on um, uh, shortened protocols that would allow us to do faster exams at a lower cost. Mm-hmm. And is the MRI for breast similar to other MRIs where you have to sit in a tube that many people find claustrophobic and makes the big noise and yes, all that? So yes. that's A lot of people find that rather unpleasant, I guess. Yeah, but uh, most, as I said, most women understand the reason and are motivated to have the study done because it's... And especially if they have a family history, I, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, that's very interesting. So um, I'm also interested in, uh, you know, we think of um, invasive radiologists as being almost a whole different uh, beast of subspecialization, but you're saying that you, you actually are an invasive radiologist really when it comes to doing biopsies or uh, needle biopsies, I suppose. Uh, you could think of it that way. I mean, um, what we're looking for on the imaging when it comes to breast cancer um, is cancer that has not yet become clinically apparent. Mm-hmm. All right. So we see a finding and, you know, we, we actually didn't know it was there before the imaging was done. So then we use the imaging to guide the biopsies. And um, so using mammography or ultrasound or even MRI, we can uh, precisely place what is essentially a hollow needle into the abnormality and remove very small pieces of tissue that way. Um, But uh, we've done this for many years, and it can be done uh, very accurately um, and give uh, very reliable results in Mm. terms of uh, managing that particular woman. Got it. And what's the turnaround time between the uh, from when a, a woman has such a procedure done and when she may actually have some information about whether there's a malignancy to worry about? Well, that depends a little bit on our pathology colleagues. Right. And um, often we have the results back in just a matter of a couple of days. Oh, wow. And do you give the information or is that sent back to the primary physician? Really both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we when we do the biopsy, we talk with the woman about how the results will be conveyed with to her. Mm. And so often we are calling the patient um, with uh, pathology information, and those patients are expecting to hear from us. But in other uh, situations, we, of course, always want to keep the referring physician in the loop, so we will be letting them know as well what mm-hmm. the pathology results are. And in most cases, they will also be talking with the patient and arranging whatever follow-up is necessary. Hmm. So why don't we talk a little bit about who should be screened for breast cancer? I, I know there's been a lot of controversy in my over my career uh, in terms of um, the benefits of mammography versus potential risks of the radiation and starting at age 40, starting at age 50, every year, every other year, only with family history, what, what's the current recommendations? Sure. Well, certainly to begin with, um, screening is typically done on women without any breast symptoms to look for signs of breast cancer. And um, there has been certainly a lot of press talking about the different recommendations between the different societies. But I think if you read through um, all of that different information, there is agreement that Population screening um, with mammography 
does decrease the death rate or decrease mortality from breast cancer. Um, Everybody agrees on that, all right? Where the disagreement comes in is when should we start screening? How frequently should we do screening? Um, should is there an age at which we should stop screening? And so that's really where the controversy arises from. Mm-hmm. Um, our recommendation um, is that uh, generally women begin screening at age 40, um, but sometimes sooner if there's a particularly strong and significant family history. Mm-hmm. Um, and we generally recommend that they have yearly screening. I see. So starting at age 40 on average and on average every year. That's correct. And that's with mammography. With mammography. Now, there um, are women with, uh, you may have heard, dense breasts. I was going to ask about that, yeah. Correct. And um, in that situation, um, the composition of breast tissue uh, that they have can mask or obscure or actually slightly increase their risk of breast cancer. So um, in some instances, we may not be able to see their breast cancer with mammography. And in that situation, ultrasound can be particularly useful in screening the breast and looking for signs of breast cancer. And so, in fact, in Connecticut, um, there is a law that we inform women of their breast density, um, and this is true for a number of states around the country. Um, and when we inform them of their breast density, we also inform them that screening ultrasound might be useful in evaluating them. And in fact, in Connecticut, insurance companies are required to cover the cost of screening ultrasound. So will those patients then be screened annually annually? Using ultrasound? If they choose to be, yes. Mm -hmm. And that will be in addition to a mammogram? Correct. Screening ultrasound does not replace mammography, but it's a supplemental modality that we use in those women with dense breasts. Now, is the dense breast thing the same as fibrocystic breasts? Or cystic breasts? Uh, or do we not talk about that anymore? No. Yeah, we don't really use that term. You know, some women have breast cysts, and that's most commonly seen in the perimenopausal years, late 40s to early 50s. But that's different from breast density. Mm-hmm. And does that make screening more difficult, or it's just a, something you have to watch and, and follow? Um, you mean the cysts? Yeah. Or, uh, no. I mean, we're, we're able in most cases to look through them and around them. I see. So no, no big deal. Uh, it's, and you mentioned uh, about the controversy over how long to continue screening, um, I guess, after menopause. or what, what, So can you illuminate that a little more? Sure. Well, the risk of breast cancer increases over a woman's lifetime. All right. So it's extremely uncommon to see breast cancer uh, in women who are in their uh, 20s or 30s, unless they have this really strong family history. But we start to see more cases as women get into their 40s. And the incidence actually rises throughout their lifetime, peaking um, in the mid-70s. So a woman in her 60s or 70s is really at higher risk for breast cancer than a woman in in her 40s or 50s. Um, So there's really no upper age limit at which we recommend um, that screening be stopped. Um, One factor to consider, though, are um, 
other health problems that the woman might have. So if you would do a screening study and really not act on the results because of some other significant disease that a woman might have, then there probably is no reason to do the screening. So maybe bad heart failure or kidney disease or Or late-stage diabetes or another cancer. Correct. Something like that where you would be less aggressive potentially. Because Correct. The, yeah, I, but, I see. But we do screen women uh, who are otherwise healthy and in, into their 80s. Wow, that's great. How has the field changed in the, in the last few years? Has Have the imaging modalities changed much? I, I know that... From when I was a medical student, uh, you know, 30 or whenever years ago it was, uh, till now, the mammograms look quite different. Um, there have been a lot of changes over the course of, of my career. Um, I would say that the biggest and most recent advancement has the, um, been the development and the addition of tomosynthesis to mammography. Tomosynthesis? That's right. And you can think of it as an advanced mammography. Um, instead of each mammogram view um, consisting of a single picture, right. um, tomosynthesis gives us a stack of many images through the breast, um, each being a millimeter thick, so that we're able to um, better see through the breast tissue uh, at different levels within the breast. Um, it helps us to diagnose more breast cancers. Um, and also um, makes us less likely to mistake normal breast tissue for a breast cancer. So is this kind of like a CAT scan in terms of taking slices? Correct. Uh, You could think of it that way. Um, And it it, uh, uh, provides a significant addition um, to the information that we're able to see on a mammogram, um, both increasing our sensitivity and and decreasing our, our false positive rate. Um, we've been using this technology for about the last five years, mm-hmm. and a number of my colleagues have done really good work um, in showing the benefits of, of tomosynthesis. So you're using this as the screening tool? It is part of a screening mammogram for most of our patients. That's correct. Huh. But it is the technology is an add-on to a mammography unit, um, so... Not all practices at this point have been able to um, acquire the tomosynthesis technology, but it is becoming more and more prevalent uh, and more commonly used throughout the country. Well, that's that's really interesting. So is, is this something that an informed uh, patient might inquire uh, when she is planning a mammogram, uh, do you have tomosynthesis? That's correct, yes. And, and they should uh, expect it, and, it sounds like. Um, they, perhaps. Perhaps, that's correct. Hmm. Got it. And, and what is the tomosynthesis experience like for the patient compared to a standard mammogram? Is the procedure from the patient's perspective any different? It's, it's very slightly different. I mean, the mammography unit looks pretty much the same. Um, but when their uh, breast is placed into um, the imaging device, um, the um, unit, instead of staying stationary and taking a single picture of their breast, um, actually moves in a very slow arc over mm. their breast, 
uh, over the course of maybe 10 to 15 seconds. And it takes a series of very low dose images, which um, our computer algorithms then uh, synthesize into this stack of images that we can scroll through. Interesting. So it's pretty much the same experience. It just takes a few seconds longer. You often hear women complaining about the uh, imaging procedure, or at least they used to, again, in terms of being uncomfortable, having the breast compressed. Has that changed at all, or is it just No, the, no. Just... Compression is still a very important um, part of the imaging technique. Um, it helps to hold the breast still so that we don't have any motion artifact, but more importantly, it really flattens the breast tissue and spreads it out and um, brings it closer to the image receptor. So there are a lot of um, principles of uh, imaging related to the physics of how the image is acquired um, that compression really improves our imaging. And so we just, you know, we, we understand that it's uncomfortable for women, but for most women, it's also tolerable. And when we explain to them the importance of the compression, um, they, they understand. Got it. Now, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and uh, I know that a small number of breast cancers each year really uh, arise in men. Um, do you use the same kind of technology to, to uh, diagnose men? That's and, correct. And who gets referred for that, and how does that work? Yes. Well, we've been talking about women. Um, we do see uh, occasionally men. Uh, most of them um, are presenting with symptoms. So they might have noticed a lump or they might have pain or uh, changes in their nipple, nipple retraction. Um, and so they'll be referred to us for a mammogram uh, and possibly an ultrasound. And it's the same imaging technology that we use on women. Um, breast cancer is uncommonly seen in men, right. and most of the time it's in older men. Um, but uh, women should be aware that um, if there is a family history of male breast cancer, um, that it might be associated with a genetic mutation and predisposition. In her family. Correct. And, 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 and she so may they, still be at risk. Correct. It might increase her risk. For Got it. it. Interesting. So where do you see uh, breast imaging going in the next few years? Are there we likely to see changes? Oh, that, you know, it's hard to predict the future um, because much of what we're doing now um, wasn't even talked about when I went through my training. Sure. Um, I would say on the near horizon, um, there's work being done on contrast-enhanced mammography, um, which could compete with MRI by giving us uh, functional information about what's going on in the breast. Um, as we talked about, people are working on the abbreviated um, screening MRI protocols um, that, that could be done in less time at lower cost. Um, there's always work being done to enhance our ultrasound capabilities. Um, but, you know, the goal has been and, and will continue to be improved detection. Well, it sounds like uh, you're going to be busy for a while to come, and it sounds like you really enjoy what you do. So we're really grateful to have uh, imagers like you who are so hugely invested in our patients. Thank you. Dr. Horvath, thank you so much for joining me today on Yale Cancer Center Answers. This was a wonderful discussion on breast imaging for screening and diagnosis in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. 
This is Dr. Stephen Gore wishing everybody a happy and healthy tomorrow. This has been another edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers. We hope that you have learned something new and meaningful. If you have questions, go to YaleCancerCenter.org for more information about cancer and the resources available to you. We hope that you will join us again for another discussion on the progress being made here and around the world in the fight against cancer.